Chapter Eleven of Book Eight of Topics by Aristotle, translated by Octavius Owen. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Geoffrey Edwards. Chapter Eleven of the Reprehension of Argument. The reprehension of an argument is not the same with respect to the argument itself and when it forms the subject of interrogation as often the person questioned is the cause of the argument not being well discussed because he does not allow things from which it might be properly argued against the thesis since it does not belong to the other alone that the common work is properly effected wherefore sometimes it is necessary to argue against the speaker and not against the thesis when the respondent out of contumely makes observations contrary to the questionist hence they cause through perverseness the exercises to be contentious and not dialectic besides since arguments of this kind are for the sake of exercise and experiment and not of doctrine it is evident that not only what is true but also what is false must be collected neither always through what is true but sometimes also through the false for often when what is true is laid down it is necessary for the disputant to subvert it so that false assertions must be proposed sometimes also when the false is laid down it must be subverted through falsities since there is nothing to prevent things which have no existence seeming to some person to be rather than those which are true so that when the argument subsists from things appearing true to him he will be more persuaded than profited still it is necessary that he who would transfer the reasoning properly should transfer it dialectically and not contentiously as the geometrician argues geometrically whether what is concluded be false or true of what nature however dialectic syllogisms are we have shown before yet since he is a depraved associate who impedes a common work it is evident that this is true also in arguments for there is something common proposed in these also except amongst those who dispute for the sake of contest as it is impossible for both these to obtain the same end for they cannot vanquish more than one now it is of no consequence whether this is done through the answer or through the question since he who interrogates contentiously disputes badly also he who in his answer does not admit what is apparent nor receives what the questionist wishes to inquire wherefore it is clear from what we have stated that we must not similarly reprehend an argument per se and the questionist since nothing hinders the argument being bad but the question is discoursing against the respondent in the best way possible for against the perverse it is not perhaps possible to frame immediately such syllogisms as some one would but such as he can frame since also it is indefinite when men assume contraries and when things investigated in the beginning for often speaking by themselves they assert contraries and having before denied they afterwards admit hence when questioned they frequently allow contraries and that which was investigated in the beginning bad arguments must necessarily arise the respondent however is the cause by not admitting some things yet admitting such as these wherefore it is clear that we must not similarly reprehend querists and arguments 
now there are five reprehensions of an argument per se the first indeed when from the questions asked nothing is concluded neither the proposition nor in short anything all or the greatest part of those from which the conclusion arises being either false or improbable and neither things being taken away nor being added nor some being taken away but others added the conclusion is produced the second is if there be not a syllogism against the thesis from such things and in such a way as was mentioned before the third if there is indeed a syllogism from certain additions but these should be worse than those questioned and less probable than the conclusion again if certain things are taken away for sometimes men assume more than is necessary so that the syllogism does not result from these being granted further if from things more improbable and less credible than the conclusion or if from things true indeed but which require more labour to demonstrate than the problem notwithstanding we need not require the syllogisms of all problems to be alike probable and convincing for some things investigated are straightway by nature more easy but others more difficult so that he will discourse well who argues from such as are of the greatest possible probability wherefore it is evident then there is not the same reprehension of an argument as to what is laid down in the question and when it is per se for nothing prevents an argument being per se reprehensible but commendable as to the problem and again vice versa praiseworthy per se but reprehensible as to the problem when it is more easy to conclude from many things probable and true for sometimes an argument even when conclusive may be worse than what is inconclusive when the one concludes from foolish things the problem not being such but the other requires such as are probable and true and the argument does not consist in the things assumed still it is not just to reprehend those who conclude the true through the false for the false must of necessity always be collected through the false yet sometimes it is possible to collect the true even through the false indeed it is evident from the analytics when the before-named argument is a demonstration of something if there is something else which has nothing to do with the conclusion there will not be a syllogism about it but if there should appear to be one it will be a sophism not a demonstration now a philosophema is a demonstrative syllogism an epiphysema a dialectic syllogism but a sophism a contentious syllogism and an aporema a dialectic syllogism of contradiction if moreover anything should be demonstrated from both probable propositions yet not similarly probable there is nothing to prevent what is demonstrated being more probable than either proposition but if one be probable but the other neither probable nor improbable or if one be probable but the other not if they be similarly so the conclusion will also similarly be and not be but if one is more the conclusion will follow that which is more now this also is an error in syllogisms when a person demonstrates through more what is possible through fewer things which also are inherent in the argument as if any one in order to show that one opinion is better than another should require it to be granted that each thing itself subsists in the most eminent degree but that the object of opinion is truly itself 
wherefore it is more than certain other things but what is said to be more is referred to the more and the opinion itself is true which will be more accurate than certain things yet it was required to be granted that opinion itself is true and that each thing itself most eminently subsists wherefore this opinion itself is more accurate now what is the fault here it is that it makes the cause latent from which the reasoning is derived chapter twelve of evident and false reasoning an argument is most clear in one way and that the most popular if it be so concluded as to require no further interrogation but in another way which is especially said to be when things are assumed from which the conclusion necessarily results but the argument concludes through conclusions moreover if there is anything deficient of what is very probable again an argument is called false in four ways one when it appears to conclude yet does not do so which is called a contentious syllogism another when it concludes indeed that which does not pertain to the proposed problem and this happens especially in arguments leading to the impossible or it concludes pertinently to what is laid down yet not after an appropriate method and this is when a non-medical argument appears medical or the non-geometrical to be geometrical or the non-dialectic to be dialectic whether the result be false or true another way if it concludes through falsities and of this the conclusion will be sometimes false and sometimes true as the false is always concluded through falsities but it is possible that the true may be so even from things not true as was said also before that the reasoning then is false is rather the fault of the arguer than of the argument and neither is it always the fault of the arguer but when it escapes him since of many truths per se we admit rather that which from things especially appearing probable subverts something true for such reasoning is a demonstration of other truths as it is requisite that some one of the positions should not altogether be so that there will be a demonstration of this but if it should conclude the true through false and very silly assertions it will be worse than many which collect the false and such will be the reasoning collecting the false wherefore it is evident that the first consideration of the argument per se will be whether it concludes next whether it concludes the true or false thirdly from what assertions for if from those which are false but probable it is a logical argument but if from what are true yet improbable it is faulty if also they are false and very improbable the argument is evidently bad either simply or with respect to the thing discussed chapter thirteen of petitio principii and contraries as to what was investigated in the beginning and contraries how the questionist demands a postulate according to truth indeed has been told in the analytics but must now be discussed according to opinion now men appear to beg what was in the beginning in five ways most evidently indeed and primarily if any one begs the very thing which ought to be demonstrated this however does not easily escape notice as to the thing itself but rather in synonyms and wherein the name and the definition signify the same thing 
secondly when what ought to be demonstrated particularly any one asks for universally as when endeavouring to show there is one science of contraries he demands it to be altogether granted that there is one of opposites for he seems to beg together with many things that which he ought to demonstrate per se thirdly if any one proposing to demonstrate the universal begs the particular as if when it is proposed to be shown that there is one science of all contraries some one should require it to be granted that there is one of certain contraries for he also seems to beg per se separately that which he ought to show together with many things again if a person dividing the problem begs the thing proposed for discussion as if when it is necessary to show that medicine belongs to the healthy and the diseased he should claim each of these to be granted separately or if some one should beg one of these which are necessarily consequent to each other as that the side of a square is incommensurate with the diameter when he ought to show that the diameter is incommensurate with the side contraries are begged in as many ways as the original question for first if any one should demand the opposites affirmation and negation secondly contraries according to opposition as that good and evil are the same thirdly if a man claiming universal to be granted should require contradiction particularly as if assuming one science of contraries he should desire it to be granted that there is different science of the wholesome and the unwholesome or begging this endeavoured to assume opposition as to the universal again if a man should beg the contrary to what happens necessarily through the things laid down if also a person should not indeed assume the opposites themselves but should claim two such things from which there will be an opposite contradiction still there is a difference between assuming contraries and a petitio principii because the error of the one belongs to the conclusion for having respect to this we say that the original question is begged but contraries are in the propositions from these subsisting in a certain way as to each other chapter fourteen of dialectic exercise for the exercise and practice of such arguments as these we must in the first place be accustomed to convert arguments for thus we shall be better provided for the subject of discussion and we shall obtain a knowledge of many arguments in a few for to convert is when we have changed the conclusion with the remaining interrogations to subvert one of the data since it is necessary if the conclusion is not that some one of the propositions should be subverted as when all these are laid down the conclusion would of necessity be we must also consider the argument as to every thesis both that it is so and that it is not so and having discovered this the solution must be forthwith investigated for it will happen thus that at the same time we shall be exercised both in question and answer if also we have nobody else we must dispute to ourselves also selecting arguments about the same thesis we must compare them side by side for this produces a great abundance for the purpose of constraining conviction and affords great aid to confutation when a person is well supplied with arguments both pro and con since thus it happens that care is taken against contraries 
neither is it a small instrument to knowledge and philosophical wisdom to be able to perceive and to have perceived the results of each hypothesis for it remains rightly to select one of these now there is need for a thing of this kind of a naturally good disposition and a good disposition is in reality thus to be able to select properly the true and to avoid the false which those naturally good are able to perform well since they who properly love and hate what is adduced judge well what is best it is likewise requisite to know well the arguments about the problems which generally occur and especially concerning first theses since in these the respondents are often dissatisfied moreover we ought to abound in definitions and to have at hand those both of the probable and of the primary since through these syllogisms are formed we must endeavour also to possess those into which the other disputations generally fall for as in geometry it is of importance to be exercised about the elements and in arithmetic to be prompt in the multiplication of numbers in a regular series up to ten also contributes greatly to the knowledge of the multiplication of the other numbers besides so in like manner in arguments the being prompt about principles and tenaciously to retain propositions in the memory are of great service for as places laid down in the mnemonic part of the soul only immediately cause us to remember them so these also will render a person more syllogistic in consequence of his regarding these propositions defined numerically a common proposition also rather than an argument should be committed to memory since to abound with principle and hypothesis is moderately difficult moreover we must be accustomed to make one argument many concealing as obscurely as possible which sort of thing may be done if a person very much recedes from the alliance of those things which are the subject of discussion such arguments indeed as are especially universal will be capable of experiencing this as that there is not one science of many things for thus it is in relatives and in contraries and in conjugates besides we ought to make universal records of arguments even if that discussed be particular for thus it will be possible to make one argument many so also in rhetorical enthymemes nevertheless the disputant ought as much as possible to avoid the universal in introducing syllogisms and it is also requisite always to observe whether the arguments are conversant with things common for all particular are conversant with universal and the demonstration of the universal is inherent in that which is particular because nothing can be syllogistically concluded without universals we should assign the exercise of inductive arguments to a young man but of syllogistic ones to a practised man we should also endeavour to assume propositions from those who are skilful in syllogisms but comparisons from the inductive for in these each are exercised in short from dialectic exercise we must endeavour to draw either a syllogism about something or a solution or a proposition or an objection or whether any one has rightly or not rightly questioned whether himself or another and about what each is for from these the power of discussion arises and exercise is on account of power especially in propositions and objections since in short he is the dialectician who is ready to propose and to object but to propose is to make many things one 
since it is requisite for that to be assumed in the whole to which the argument belongs but to object is to make one many since a man either divides or subverts partly admitting and partly denying the proposition it is requisite still not to dispute with every one nor to exercise ourselves against any casual person for it is necessary to employ bad arguments against some since against him who altogether tries to seem to elude us it is just indeed by all means to try to draw a conclusion yet it is not becoming wherefore it is not proper readily to engage with casual persons since depraved disputation will necessarily occur for even those who practise themselves cannot forbear disputing contentiously likewise also it is requisite to have arguments framed against such problems in which being supplied with the fewest we shall have them useful against the most now these are universal arguments and which are with more difficulty supplied from things that are obvious end of chapter fourteen and end of book eight and end of topics by aristotle translated by octavius owen proof listened by guedo meta coordinated by bart recording in memory of mitchell edwards